Hello, and welcome to the Mysteria Podcast. This is our first podcast, so we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm just going to dive right in. I know for me, the only podcasts that I listen to are because they were recommended by a friend or because there's some big name attached that I really respect. That's not the case with Mysteria. I really have no idea why you're listening, uh, but thank you. You probably have no idea why you're listening either, but let let me make my case. So first, a bit about me. My name is Alex. Right now, I'm a substitute teacher, but that's mostly because I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been in ministry for the last 10 years, and I've been fired from two different churches. I finally had to come to grips with the fact that maybe ministry isn't for me. After a few weeks of commiserating with my wife and debating about what to do next, I started to work as a substitute teacher. In those weeks, this podcast was born, uh, as well as the idea for On a Hill Studios, which is a whole other thing. I'm currently finishing a master's degree with an emphasis in theology and the arts, and as I searched for different ways to stand at the crossroads of those two passions, I decided I would give podcasting a try. So now, let's talk about the name. I got the name from an article I was reading about sacraments. There were these groups of people in ancient Rome that were bound together by this one common trait. They were searching for bits of the divine within the world. They would look at the earth and the arts and the meals that we eat and the activities we participate in, and they would see them as connected to the mystery of the world. That's where they got this name, Mysteria. As you can guess, it has the same root as the word mystery in modern English, but it's very different in that rather than seeing mystery as the great unknown, they saw the mystery as the divine that was present here on earth. We may not see it fully, but we know it in the depths of our heart and in our bones. That's what I want to do. I want to search out that kind of mystery. So I figured that was a good name for a podcast. So, let's get to it, shall we? This week, I want to talk about Batman versus Superman. You may be rolling your eyes, but yes, I am a former youth pastor, and one of the activities I used to look forward to was taking the youth to go see movies. Afterwards, we would go back to the youth room and discuss all of the ways that the film tied into different aspects of God. So we watched Hunger Games, and we talked about the fallacy of redemptive violence. We watched Avengers 2, and we discussed whether God viewed humanity as valuable or ultimately destructive. It's like you look at a sentence like that. We watched Hunger Games. That part sounds like youth ministry. And then we discussed the fallacy of redemptive violence. That sounds like some serious discussion, like a college course or something. And and these kids, they had incredible insight, but it was hidden within these movies. We would have to talk about the movies to get to the nuggets of truth that were inside. And that's where this idea comes from. I want to talk about movies because I miss those kids, and it feels weird not talking about it with someone. So thanks for being my youth kids by proxy. <laughs> um, here's the thing about movies. If you see someone that you just met, there are certain movies that you just assume they've seen. If you say, life is like a box of chocolates, you assume the person across from you will know that the context of that quote is from Forrest Gump. They'll hear Tom Hanks' weird accent, and they'll imagine the feather floating down, and they'll think about all the different ways that you can cook shrimp. 
In that way, film is like a second language for our society. I've heard it described as a lingua franca, or the language of the people. We speak in film references, and when a movie is huge in the box office, that means that there are more people sharing in this experience. It's like a church that millions of people attend, where we go to hear our stories about fantastic battles and gods who live among us. So what better way to introduce the Mysteria podcast than with the first blockbuster film of the season, which is Batman vs. Superman. For those who haven't seen it, there are no real spoilers here. We're just going to be talking about concepts and themes that are present in the film in fairly general terms. I would suggest going and seeing it, but I would also watch any movie in theaters if I had the chance. So don't take that as an actual recommendation for the film. It was all right, but a little overlong. Um... As much as Americans have come to love Marvel and Marvel superheroes, it's hard to argue that they're nearly as iconic as like a Batman or Superman. When it comes to heroes, they are the go-to examples and are often used in juxtaposition to one another. You have Batman, the man who turned the death of his parents into a, a dark fuel that powers his unrelenting pursuit of justice. And, and Batman is just like any other person. If that person had billions of dollars of inherited money, a butler, many acres of land adjacent to a bustling and crime-ridden city, and access to all the latest technology. Like I said, just like a normal person. Uh, Then you have Superman, who is a foreigner, an alien, technically not even human, who was raised in the farmlands of Kansas with good, true American values. He doesn't go down the dark alleys of Gotham, he flies over the blue skies of Metropolis. As Lex Luthor points out, this is a battle between God and man. Superman plays the role of God, who in the case of this film seems to bring mindless destruction, killing thousands of innocent people and yet still receiving praise as though he is a hero. He claims to have saved the earth from complete destruction, but how do we know that he wasn't the reason that destruction has come in the first place? If we're going to be completely honest, I think this, this is how most of us view God. Superman, as a character, is seen in the same way many view God, as an ultimate good. But the film asks the question, can God be all good and all powerful? If God is all powerful, then how can God be good? Why is there a problem of evil? Why do people suffer while on this earth while others seem to prosper? And like the Bible says, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But the question is why? Why would a God who is good allow for these things to happen? And if these things happen and God is good, then how can he be all powerful? And oftentimes the argument is, well, God gave up power so that humanity could X, Y, Z, whatever it happens to be that humanity is called to do, or that God is good in a greater way than we could possibly understand. But I don't think that these answers are satisfying. Mostly because we have narratives like this one, where that answer is challenged. And the answer we often receive, and the answer we receive in the scriptures is, well, who are you to ask? Who are you to question God? This is where Batman comes in. See, Batman represents what humanity should be if they stood up for what was right no matter what the cost. If, if they got in the trenches and really fought the war. 
Yeah, you get a little dirty, life gets rough, but that's what it looks like to do the right thing. You take your wounds and you spit on them. This is American gung-ho wherewithal. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Batman is seen as humanity at its best, which means he's the best choice to challenge the God who refuses to give us answers. When you ask people who they want to win in a battle against Batman versus Superman, most people I talk to say Batman, and that's because they want to believe that humanity, with enough gumption and motivation, can somehow stand toe-to-toe with God. And so this film gives us a framework. What does it look like for the best of humanity to go up against the best of the heavens? What we find out is that in truth, none of those things are accurate. Superman can bleed. He has weaknesses and moral failings. He is not God. He is an idol of God. The tangible thing that people who feel helpless can cling to for salvation, but not the salvation itself. In the same way, we see that Batman is not the same sort of hero we make him out to be. He becomes a more cruel version of himself. He may want justice, but it seems that more so he wants injustice to suffer. One of the best scenes has Batman explaining that the death of his parents taught him that if you wanted the world to make sense, you had to force it to make sense. You have to punch the bad guys until the round peg fits in the square hole or until you've somehow made up for the fact that you lost your parents at a young age and you feel helpless. In the end, neither hero is ultimately a hero. They are human beings. Superman is, of course, an alien, but is proving in the end that he is just as human as us. These are the sort of narratives we are ingesting these days. We are no longer content to see an arbiter of morality going about doling out redemptive violence. We want to see that the idols we have created are really false gods, and that the heroes we place on pedestals are really just people who are hurting. Here's the horrible thing about humanity. We have a tendency of dividing the world into two and believing that we're always on the good side while turning other people into villains. One of the best lines in the film was, it's the biggest lie in America that power is an ascent. We believe typically that through good deeds and being on the right side of things, we can somehow get closer to the divine or obtain more power in our communities. But this is not true. In reality, power is a force that ultimately exerts itself over us. And so the film concludes with this climactic battle as the heroes fight against this monster. And the monster gets more and more powerful as they try to fight it. It absorbs all of their energies, whether those things are good-intentioned or bad-intentioned. Even if a violent act comes from a place of cruelty, or if the violent act comes from a place of of trying to do what is right, either way, the energy that's exerted is absorbed into this beast, which is causing destruction. So here's what I would argue. As humans, we are contributing to this monster of aggregate energy. Every time we divide ourselves and hurt our neighbors, every time we act out of fear or in a desperate attempt to control our lives, we feed this force. See, I recently finished reading The War of Art, and the author uses this term resistance. I like this idea that humanity is in constant struggle to do what is right and good, but we battle resistance. I like this term resistance because it's just vague enough to capture the nuance of the situation. 
It's not as easy as saying this is the devil, the enemy that we're fighting against, the great deceiver. Instead, it's this force, this thing that's oppressing all of humanity. Resistance keeps us from creating art that reminds us of how wonderful the world is. It keeps us from enjoying our lives and realizing our purpose. Resistance fuels the horror of the world. Resistance produces fear and anxiety, inadequacy, the things that actually are the fuel for the fires inside of us that cause us to make decisions which go against the whole of humanity. It fights against us daily. Our biggest downfall is finding other people to take on that battle for us. We find our camp or our tribe and we look for a leader among that tribe and we allow ourselves to fight vicariously through them. But we have a place in this battle. See, resistance is getting its energy from the things inside of us which we refuse to address. So when we don't participate by looking inward and addressing our inner demons, we fail to help in the battle of resistance. This is why we have other people that we can put that off on. We say that person is better than I am. That person is more like God and therefore they will fight resistance for me. But the battle happens inwardly first. This is essentially the foundation of a representative democracy. We imagine that our vote somehow changes the world, while meanwhile we sit and mindlessly consume things without ever considering the mystery of our experiences. We give in to resistance and allow ourselves to stop pursuing what is good in the world. Because we believe that someone else will do that for us, or someone else will do it better than we will. But it's not a matter of who is better. It's a matter of all of us contributing to this battle against resistance. We are trying desperately to make things right in the world. And that begins by looking at ourselves and saying, what is wrong with me? Batman is cruel. It's not until he realizes that he's capable of cruelty and he addresses that, that he actually stops fighting the wrong enemy. In the same way, Superman is far too powerful for his own good. He believes that he's without fault. But in reality, he makes mistakes. He can bleed and he can fail. We view these people as the ones who are going to help us solve the problems. But in reality, they're just like us. It is really easy to convince yourself you're doing the right thing because you're in the right camp. But the two are not synonymous. I worked in ministry for 10 years, and there were often times that I felt like just because I was working in a church that I was doing what was good. If I was fighting for this institution, then I had to have been on the right side of things. But then I imagined to myself, what if this church is no different from many of the other churches I've seen? What if the battle I'm fighting and the tribe I'm fighting in is the exact same as the enemy group that I've labeled? What separates me from those people? It's amazing how often churches will look at other churches in the neighborhood as the enemy. They see them as the competition and we need to do something to be one step ahead of the competition, but we lose sight of what the real battle is. This is true when we think about other religions, other faiths, and other people groups. It's not just within churches, but outside of church as well. 
We find villains, we vilify our neighbors, and we turn them into the bad guys. Because that is easier than fighting the real battle. The thing is, we do this with our idea of God. If you believe in an all-powerful being, a being that is love, that moves through everything, then how can you also believe that God is bound to your idea of a specific gender, or your idea of love, or grace, or justice? I said before, Superman is an idol. In much the same way, what we think about when we say God is very much an idol. God is salvation itself, the very essence and mystery of the world, but that isn't good enough for most of us. We want heroes. We want something we can touch. People argue that Jesus came in the flesh so that we could know that God walks among us, but I would say that Jesus represents the fact that God can bleed and yet still live. The tangible idea that you've made of God fails to fully encompass the wonder that is God. It's absurd to think that in all of the universe, in all of space and time, your tiny little brain has the capability of fathoming a deity that is truly as powerful as you claim God is. When you hold up your holy book and you say this is the only way to understand God, these are the divine, inerrant words of God himself, you've reduced God to an idol. I had a friend refer to this as bibliolatry. And I really like that phrase, this idea that we can confine God to certain pages of a book. This isn't to say that that book isn't inspiring. It isn't to say that that book isn't God-breathed, just like the book itself says. But it is to say that once we put that in the position of God, we say that this is salvation itself, we fail to recognize the true battle that we're fighting in. We fail to recognize the truth of the world that we're living in. I think fighting the wrong battles can wear on you. This one time I was working at a church, I took a bunch of youth kids downtown for a retreat. I took them to a homeless shelter there. I had parents complain to me when I got back that what I did was dangerous and that their kids didn't get to shower enough. I was speechless. How can you even argue your case in a situation like that? Like, really, these, these people go weeks without showers, and this student has only gone two days. I'm not sorry. When I was fired from that church, it made me angry and it made me frustrated, but I remember telling myself that I was supposed to go back to church. That was my tribe. That was where my idols were. If I fought for the church, I fought for something meaningful. But when I got back into church, I found the same sickness, the same twisting of the truth, because even Superman bleeds and even Batman is cruel. I don't know if I'll ever go back to church, but after weeks of fighting with that idea, I finally let go of that fight. I realized that church can do good and church can do evil. People can do good and people can do evil. The Bible says some really amazing, life-changing things, but also some horrific things that are impossible to justify. When I gave up the fight, I also gave up the need to have an enemy. I realized that all of humanity are partners in the battle against the aggregate force of resistance. All I can do is fight that battle every day. 
And so one of Lex Luthor's final lines is, once the bell has been rung, it cannot be unrung. In this sense, I invite you to allow your God to bleed. Allow your heroes to be cruel. Because when you accept that people are not all good or all bad, you also recognize who the real enemy is. It has never been your neighbor. I invite you to let go of your heroes. I invite you to read the stories and books of those who you disagree with. If you're a Christian, pick up some Hitchens, watch some Cosmos. If you're an atheist, read the scriptures of different faiths. When we run from these things, we fight our allies. When we pretend that our camp has everything figured out, that our idol is the only representation of God, we ignore the mystery of the world, the greater divinity which is bursting at the seams. This doesn't mean that you have to change your views or that you even have to let go of the idea of God that you hold on to. You don't have to become something that you aren't. It simply means that you have to stop forcing others to be something they aren't. They are not the enemy. They are not the villain. We are not heroes and we are not gods. It's not Batman versus Superman. It's us against evil. It's us for each other. Thank you guys so much for listening. I encourage you guys to subscribe. We will have another podcast up in about two weeks. If you're looking for more information about what we're doing here, um, I suggest going to onahillstudios.com. It is a website which is kind of a conglomeration of different ideas. If you want to be part of that on the ground floor of what we're doing, then please go and check that out. Send us an email. Let us know what your thoughts are and... Uh, we would love to hear from you. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoy your Easter weekend. And, and remember to always be looking for the mystery in your life.